Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. I'm MC Anime, and uh, today we have two particular special guests with us, belonging to the same project. And here you go. Bruce, you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Bruce Olaf Solheim, and I'm the creator of Snark, the comic book, and now the co-creator, I guess, uh, Actually, I'm not involved technically at all with with the animation. That's uh, my friend, my good friend and partner, uh, Jordan Martin. But, uh, yeah, I created uh, Snark uh, came into being in 1982, actually, as a comic strip at Montana Tech when I was an engineering student there. I, I drew and wrote a comic strip called Snark. And then uh, I, I dropped out of engineering school, and then we resurrected it in 2019 and published it as a full-up comic book in December 2019. And we used the artist Gary Dumm, D-U-M-M, who um, is famous for uh, being one of Harvey Picar's uh, main illustrators on American Splendor in the 70s, and has been illustrating comics since the 70s, so he's an icon. And... Uh, and his wife was the colorist, and um, George Varongo is the editor. And then, uh, but uh, uh, Jordan and I have been working together for a couple years now on uh, live online theater. And then uh, we decided, hey, why, why don't we animate the comic book? You know, we got the art, and uh, let's let's do it. It sounds like, and we got this whole stable of actors. You know, probably what do you say, Jordan? Two dozen actors. Yeah, can, close can, yeah, yeah, they can be very talented people, some that have been on television quite a bit, and uh, we got them to work with us, and uh, in the daytime, I'm a mild-mannered history professor, and then uh, I do comic books and other other things and on, on the side. So, Jordan, take it away, my man, Jordan Martin. Okay, yeah, I'm Jordan Martin. Um, whenever I met Bruce, we were doing... Uh, virtual plays, which was very intense, creative, technological stuff. And then he said, do you want to do a cartoon? It was it was a change of pace. He made the comic with Gary, and it was already, you know, structured comic book-wise. I could see sort of, you know, motion to it, but I wasn't sure how it would, you know, work out, how it would feel. And then once I started doing it, I just thought it was really great, um, and it's something I really liked. And I started to remember that, you know, all my life I always wanted to make cartoons and I, you know, done all these other things. So I thought, oh, I should do this because I really want to. And it's really fun to do, uh, especially when Bruce will write it, Gary will draw it. Uh, the hardest thing that I actually have to do on the art end of it, which is normally I'd be on the art side, but the, the art that I do for it is I just cut out uh, what Gary's drawn and try to respect his drawings. And then I cut it into pieces and make it move without it being too um, too obvious. Uh, you know, you, if I animate it too much, it looks animated, but try to kind of give it like a Hanna-Barbera sort of feeling. And I've always liked shows where they use recycled animation, uh, whether it be anime or just cartoons like Space Ghost and stuff like that. I love recycled animation, and I get a chance to do that when... I'm given a comic book, and I also get a chance to make fun of things, uh, which is really fun. And I, I kind of feel like I brought sort of a freakazoid or um, uh, what's the other one? Animaniacs to yep. snark a little bit, uh, yep. injected a little. Mixed in with Bullwinkle. <laughs> from my opinion. yeah i think that's you but yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. me kind of yeah and i'm just sort of channeling you with that but mm -hmm. it's my you know that's where i my one of my favorite shows is freakazoid just because of the mm -hmm. absurdity of it and same with space ghost true yeah and, and we always and we have some uh some live action too yeah. well not long of life but you know not cartoon like the narrator Who's very much in the vein of uh, like on the on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show? They had the the narrator, but we have the actual visual too. And he's an, an extremely talented um, uh, actor. 
actor, not just voice actor, but, you know, stage and screen actor. So, uh, a, a yeah. young man named uh, Stagger Lee Cole. And uh, so we mixed those things together, which is kind of the Animaniac and Bullwinkle all mixed together, right? <laughs> Let me get those straight. So we have the History by Day and the Comic Office by Night. And we have the aspiring cartoonist who wants to make the static, uh, use the same frames and repeat it in the process. What a good matchup. It is true, yeah. <laughs> I thought the same. And then you like have like a secondary transition of art from the comic, from the original artist to the animated version too. That's true, yeah. And, you know, it's already uh, got a style, the mm -hmm. art. And yeah. uh, when I bring the motion to life, I kind of just try to follow yeah. what they were thinking. And, and and Jordan hit on something very important. You know, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take our work very seriously. And and yeah. being, uh, I was I was going to say earlier, my my life is kind of like a cartoon, and I've loved cartoons my whole life. Which is even though Jordan and I are you know separated, and you know I'm I'm older and he's younger, we have this love of the same thing. Yeah whether it's the early cartoons or the recent, more recent ones, and it's timeless. It really is, this, this, um, the love of animation and cartoons and comic books. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I connect to that, because with my personal reference, Tom and Jerry, Flintstones, the Jetsons, Scooby-Doo was big for me. I loved Scooby-Doo when I was a child. Uh, so most of my life has been TV-dominated um, entertainment and Cartoons and animated shows have been the pinnacle of the entertainment for me. Cool. That's why I'm really trying. Since Bruce, the style of Snark was very, um, uh, the the action would be sort of dramatic, mm -hmm. and the comedy would be just notes about the drama. And I thought it just reminded me a lot of those cartoons, a lot of those cartoons you just named, and so. I thought, you know, it's great. I, I don't know if you ever noticed this. I noticed it constantly when I was watching those cartoons. But they never could get the shade quite right on the mouth. Mm. Whenever the mouth would move, the shade would be off. And I kind of tried to put some of that into Snark to see if anybody would notice that. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's, it, looks, it looks incredible. So, Jordan, can you, can you share with uh, what the, where people could see the uh, sample of what the beautiful work you've done? Yeah, um, rather than give a, a like a try to say the the URL though, what mm -hmm. what I did is I made a YouTube and YouTube is Tune Inc. So you can search YouTube for Tune Inc. Uh, and you can also just go to your URL on your search bar and just type Tune Inc. It just started working an hour ago. We were worried that it wasn't going to be ready in time for this interview, but uh, it's directing to the site now. So if you just type tune.inc with a K uh, or go to YouTube and just search Tune Inc. It's yeah. like first and last name, Tune Inc., and you'll find us there. It's not yeah, It's not uh, I-N-C, it's I-N-K. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I-N-K. <laughs> Yeah, which is normally for tattoo artists, I believe, but we just kind of use the double meaning. Hey, we have a big tent, right, Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's included. <laughs> All right. So, I was we were reviewing the comic a little bit of Snark, and uh, half alien, half human. That was uh, kind of striking to me. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, you know, he he came to me as an idea actually uh, when I was still in the army in 1980. I was a, a guard, a prison guard in West Germany, and uh, I was in a guard tower, and it came to me this idea of a half alien, half human, named Snark, and then I, I wrote down a space tragedy, but I always meant it to be you know it's kind of comedic. And uh, and so I, I just had that idea rattling around. And then when I went to engineering school, I took a um, journalism class and they asked, what can you do? And I said, well, I can write. I can also draw. And I have this idea for a comic strip. And they said, cool, do the comic strip. So Snark, it came out in five issues in 1982, in early 1982. And then, like I said, I dropped out and <laughs> went back in the Army 
and finally ended up uh, getting my PhD in history and then teaching and uh, finally got around to actually doing my lifelong dream, which was publishing a full-length comic book. So that's that's how all that happened. And it's kind of weird how I met Gary Dumb, too. I just, I, I, I loved American Splendor. And I, I like, you know, and of course, Robert Crumb did a lot of art there, too, the world-famous Robert Crumb. But I really like Gary's style. There's something about it that really spoke to me. So I contacted him, and uh, we just started working together. And, uh, yeah, we just hit it off, and he did uh, some work on a textbook I wrote as well and a, a couple of paranormal books. I uh, did illustrations, and then he did Snark and Snark 2, and then he'll do Snark 3 when that comes out. But we also have another comic book coming out uh, this this year, uh, which is a spinoff from Snark uh, called Dr. Jekyll Alien Hunter. So that's going to be a, a female lead character. And uh, it's a little different, a little different art as well, because I have a 19-year-old artist from Poland uh, named Julia Kazanowska, and uh, she's living in Poland. She's a college student, but she's an incredibly talented artist, and I got her early on in her career, so she's not bankrupting me. <laughs> but her art is tremendous, and, uh, and you know, I talked to Jordan. I said, Jordan, we got to animate that too. It'll be a, another project for him. So, I, <laughs> Jordan, so yeah, Jordan, he just, um, yeah, he, you know, I give him an idea, and he runs with it and does miracles. I mean, whether it was live theater or or this animation, he's really a technical genius. He really is. So this is my question, Thank you, Chris. Jordan. Um, okay. So, do the animation process you found? Where do you feel limited and where do you feel the creativity coming in with the different projects merging together? Well, um, as far as where I feel limited, uh, in, in the way that I'm animating someone's comic, I'm definitely limited to what's already drawn. Uh, even um, Gary is... Uh, he... he or he draws his comics uh, the old way, you know, with a, I believe. I, I haven't seen his actual process, but I believe he uses paper. Yes. And uh, it is. And they scan that, and, you know, it's, it's very, you can tell that he's using a pen. I thought when I was looking at it, maybe it was just a really good, like, brush and software, but I can tell it's a pen, um, you know, and she's, uh, his wife, Laura, has, when she's colored it, she's, in the lines. It's it's actually much more difficult to do that if that's the way that they do it. Mm. And uh, I, when I would take that and go to cut it, I noticed I can't use a straight line. And I started to, uh, at first I said, well, it doesn't really matter. I'll just cut this. But the more I did it, the more I said, I can't. I got to get in there and cut this so it looks like a pen did it. And that's difficult. But once I would get it separated, there would be no background behind the character if the character were to move left or right. So I'd have to then fill in that background also. And uh, that was a little bit limiting just for the fact that I couldn't change much. I had to stay in the frame that they were in. But then I learned the real creativity comes from the limitation in a way because once I realized that I had to use those angles, I started to think of... Um, why you would use those angles and how you could edit between them. And I would say, uh, you know, a character would speak to someone across a couple of panes. I would say that's a couple of camera angles. And then go back and forth a little bit between the different comic book frames in, uh, and make it look like it was being edited for television. And so that was really, it, it was once I was faced with the limitation that I came up with that. Uh, that move, which was the most creative thing. And then as far as, um, you know, it's, it's written by Bruce, and he, uh, you know, all the lines in it are being put directly into the show. So if they don't, it, as a comic, don't have the same comedic timing as on screen, then mm -hmm. that's a problem that gets kind of solved in a lot of, well, I added, a, one thing I added is an audience. Uh, so that we cut to the audience reaction occasionally. Mm. And then that gave me that ability to take that, uh, the comic book timing and make it uh, comical for TV. And so that was another time where 
I just kind of put it on the screen and looked at it and decided what was wrong with it, which is something that I like to do is to just uh, get really critical sometimes just for a short time of what I'm doing and just say, I have a friend who told me to actually just cuss it out because uh, it'll, it'll start your brain thinking more critically. Yeah. And, uh, then you'll, you once you think critically, you go, okay, you kind of go back to yourself and you say, okay, why? And then that's where you write the kind of, well, that's usually why you write the drama that you do. But when you're writing comedy, it's, it's like you write the drama and then you go, I mean, maybe I just reverse that. Like it, because that can be funny. If, if there's a drama that the audience sees that should happen and then it doesn't, uh, that makes the character look oblivious and then everyone's laughing. So it's funny how something that's not funny can be made funny just because it's not funny as long as you accept it and just sort of use it. It's interesting how that works. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing that I get with Snog is like, this is like a old-timely type comic, but it's also in the modern era, so like, it's just a bending example of what it takes from the, the past and apply it to the present. And have that drawing style really significates the significance of that experience for me. Oh, it does. You're right. It absolutely does. I, I thought that the whole time that I was doing it was that we definitely could not have achieved it with modern uh, styles of animation. There's no way. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gary's been illustrating since the early 70s. And, of course, well, he's a little bit older than me. I'm 63 and he's in his 70s, but, you know, so uh, my writing style, I, I, you know, what I did is I mixed, I, I always think everything I write, whether it's a play or I always try to have humor. And this is really, you know, very important to have the humor, not only in the lines, but also in the way the actors uh, say the lines and the situation and how Jordan animates it can make it funny, like, like he was talking about. And uh, even when the character doesn't know they're being funny. And uh, so, uh, like, like uh, for instance, we were talking today about one of the characters in the first show, uh, a uh, Abraham Lincoln, but he's, he's, a, <laughs> he's a street performer. He's a, he's a vampire, Abraham Lincoln, and he's, <laughs> he's, he's a scam artist. You know, he, he lives on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, so this is where Snark encounters him. So uh, he he assumes everybody is is also a scam artist, you know, which is kind of funny. And what did you say, Jordan, about him? You said that's his strength, or his that's strength. that's his comedy uh, is that he's oblivious to himself. Yeah. So he, since he sees the other people as scam artists, but then I thought what's maybe even funnier is uh, that he sees himself as a scam artist, and he's not really even very good at it. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> The, the scam artist, he's like, oh, yeah. I can be really good to be taking these scams on. And he proves <laughs> that he's just too honest about it. He just, he's like, I'm telling everyone up front, I am a scam artist, you should not trust me. So my honest nature is against, is basically hurting me. That's great. I think, <laughs> well, he gets a spinoff, I believe, if... If the yeah. conversation we had today comes through, we're going to do a web series oh with Vampire Abe Lincoln. And I love that because Tommy, the guy who did the voice of Vampire Abe Lincoln, uh, when I told him to do the character, and this is an example of somebody not knowing when they're going to be funny, but he wasn't very comfortable with it. Because uh, I said, do a Transylvanian accent, you know, if you have to uh, channel the count from Sesame Street. And he was just kind of like, hmm. And he knew he couldn't really do that accent. And for some reason, the way to, for him to try and do it and fail makes it so funny. Oh, yeah. And it's one of my favorite characters oh, two, because it three. doesn't sound... <laughs> it's yeah, great. I, it, it came across really good. And, and, you know, all these actors are are voice acting by themselves, just with the, either me or mostly with Jordan and recording it. There's no other, you know, like in yeah. when we rehearse the play and do other things, they're usually... Actors are bouncing off of each other, feeding off of each other. In this case, they're standalone. Mm. So they really have to bring their A game into whatever they're doing. And they all did a really good job. And 
I, I, I like the, the way it, it comes together and sounds, you know, and it, it adds some, some of the humor to it True. as well. And, uh, you know, when, when we do the, you know, the Dr. Jekyll Alien Hunter, you know, because Julia is totally, you know, using all digital art. She doesn't do pen and paper like, uh, like Gary does. Everything is digital. It's going to be easier in one sense, right, Jordan? But it'll give it a different style when we do that animation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, she'll have layers. <laughs> That'll just change the whole game right there. Yeah, layers yeah. and animation in this time and age is actually does really well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm just so excited about this, and I'm so lucky that uh, I met Jordan and all these other talented actors and and Jordan has people that, you know, like he's got a guru he works with. And, you know, I guess Gary was kind of my guru from the comic book and writing standpoint, you know. But. True. So, you know, we haven't touched on this, but what is the summary of the comic book? <laughs> We've been, like, here and there, but, like, what is the core gist that the audience should take to be interested in the story? Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, he's uh, Snark and his companion, the cosmic staff, who has a real bad attitude. He's kind of comedy <laughs> relief. He's he's. Uh, we don't know the backstory yet, so I'm not going to give that away. But apparently, he's just this kind of like a an old hipster or or you know kind of this uh, rat pack kind of talking guy, snide, you know, kind of snarky in himself. And he's this stick, right, that he carries around. He hates being called a stick, though. He likes being called a cosmic staff. So he's always being slighted, you know, and he takes offense to it. And anyway, they come to Earth with the mission to uh, prepare Earth for colonization by the reptilians. Reptilian aliens from the planet Maron. Not Moron, but Maron. <laughs> Um, and uh, when they arrive, then Stark realizes, wait a second, you know, well, I'm half human, but I really like these human beings. I don't want them, I don't want uh, them to come here and, you know, treat them badly and make everybody into, you know, uh, uh, you know, and put them in a colony or make them slaves or whatever. We don't want that. So then he has adventures and he learns how much he really loves humans. And then he has to double cross his masters, you know, the leaders back on Maron, and he, he has to figure out a way to save the Earth and also help his planet Maron because they're suffering. They, they have a kind of an apocalypse going on there. I won't go into too much great detail on that, but um, so he has to figure out a way not only to save the planet he loves here, you know, half human, but also his, his home planet as well. So that's kind of the drama behind these situations. That reminds me of the Skull Invasion in Marvel. Their whole planet during the Kree <laughs> yeah. War was like almost obliterated and they're on a search for a new planet, so that's kind of docked yeah. up in the Skull Invasion kind of thing. Current comics. Yeah. Oh, and I love the scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love seeing them animated trying to. They're, they're so dumb. Like. <laughs> they're, they're just so dumb that you. They yeah. don't know how humans are, how they act. They might copy them, their appearance, and maybe the powers if they get to the Super Skull. But, like, you can really set them apart. They don't really have any clue about <laughs> the memories involved. And even if they did, it's on the surface level. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it's fun, and uh, you know, the, because I'm a historian, there's uh, you know the situations Snark and the Cosmic Staff get into, or you know, we touch on historical you know places, you know, kind of get into that without you know being preachy or you know lecturing or anything. We just kind of put them in interesting situations, also social situations. They deal with social problems, but not in a didactic way. Like they end up going to the southern border and are wondering what the heck's going on, and but they're not making any political statements. They're just connecting with people and learning. They're all they're just learning. And, it's true. Um, that is another takeaway. Um, the takeaway that you gave of the story. Um, the other thing is, it's kind of a story about if you were an alien, you would need to understand people the way that a child does, and yep. they would take you for an adult. So they would. 
answer your questions honestly and directly, and you'd be perceiving them like a child. And so the takeaway uh, as far as like the message behind the story is sort of um, that once you can communicate and understand one another, you, um, you can solve a problem. And then that really ties in with the fact that it's a drama with comedy because he's always trying to solve everyone's problems. It, it embodies sort of a Captain Planet a little bit or the way that G.I. Joe would take on social issues. But it never talks about the social issue in any way that could ever be taken as having a, a bias. Or like an affiliation yeah, bias. Uh, and then it also has a really good way of embodying sort of a Peabody and Sherman <laughs> in the fact that it becomes educational, but only in the most entertaining sort of cartoony way. Uh, so that the only thing that's really educational about it is that, that you take away like a name, <laughs> which is great. So it takes you on that journey sort of back in time, not in the sense of like going back in time with history, but going back in time sort of with cartoons and the way that they used to be quasi-educational like they were yeah. pbs now is sort of directly educational it was kind of instead of yeah, walking a line watching some like the uh tune in with me uh cartoon block on me tv uh yeah like a, a, the astrology series so they just bring back old cartoons and have that block filled with the astrology type content and mm -hmm. yeah astrology is pretty good because it brings back the old cartoons and has like a little collection of it so each episode is a little bit different but it was like uh some of the older looney tunes um it was like bugs bunny with the witch um I forgot the name it was like macbeth and someone not named shakespeare you know chasing the rabbit of course you know bugs bunny is uh, yeah uh it was also i thought it was kind of funny there's a lot more humor than I thought it was. It's like, well, today's standards is nowhere near what they got way back then. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and, and our, our work is all ages, but yeah. uh, kind of like some of these very clever older shows, like yeah. Rocky and Bullwinkle, you can, you can watch it at different levels. You can watch it as an adult and get stuff that kids aren't going to get, but there's stuff in there that kids are going to love and adults will love, and they can look at it at different levels and still be entertained by it. So that you know, there's some very wry humor in there that will keep adults entertained as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all ages, and uh, that was an early decision I made with Snark. All my comic books are all ages, and all of our animation will be too. Yeah. But you're you're right. The old cart, like you know, if you look at the uh, the the uh, stuff that they Bugs Bunny stuff they did in World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Disney, Disney also yeah. did a lot of those too. Donald yeah. Duck did a bunch. Yeah. Would not make today, but it's it's interesting to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And the only equivalent now is like SpongeBob doing an adult humor here and there. <laughs> it's not really much like like that anymore. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. SpongeBob is a, is a good example. <laughs> you know, you just it, it could be looked at or watched for so many, and, and that is part of its success. Part of its charm is that uh, parents would watch it too, not just the kids. Yeah, and it's yeah. management for the parents to watch so they don't have to cringe while the other programming is like just kids only. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I forgot what they said. It was but it was the uh Sinfield, the one with Tree Bud. Uh shoot, what's the cat? Oh gosh. Remember Tree Bud, but this was the the Pupsy cat. Are you talking about uh, Sylvester? Uh, Sylvester Yeah, Sylvester. Yeah. Sylvester was training his uh, his son how to get a cat and they bought in the uh it's like, well, if you can't get you try to fake it, and it's like, well, let's do a bird hunting, and he got a rifle. It's like, what? <laughs> and yeah, I love doing that. all that stuff, and then they, at the end, the bird, in the acting with the the mini Sylvester, I guess, the, child, the learning from big adult Sylvester, kind of yeah. 
became into a cat costume with a blue with a blue cat. So the tail's in the back. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I just yeah, I just love those old cartoons, and I like. Uh, like in the seventies, they had uh, uh, Underdog. I really liked Underdog a lot. Yeah, I love Underdog. Uh, yeah, Underdog was interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of humor, a lot of dry humor in there, and kind of poking fun at themselves in the whole superhero genre. Which, which you, know, we, you know, our characters are not superheroes. They have <laughs> definite weaknesses. You know, the Cosmic Staff, although he has certain powers. He's very cranky, you know, and that, that doesn't help sometimes, you know, and, and Spark is very naive in some ways, very naive, so. That's sort of the funny thing, too, is that when you look at Snark and you see the intro, you think for sure it's action because he's got the staff and talking about invasion, first off, very first thing in the first episode, and then he just talks to people for most of it, and when he does use his power, his major power is the interdimensional vortex, <laughs> and what that actually does, and I've always wanted this in real life, <laughs> is it shows you the truth, sort of. Uh, it's kind of like a truthometer in a way, because it shows you uh, information that's not privileged to humans uh, in a way, and some of that information is like, you know... Um, uh, what actually happened, or uh, this is, you know, you could, I guess it could go back in time, really. It could do anything. Uh, yeah. It could, yeah. you know, t- it takes you to the afterlife if it, if it needs to. Yep. Uh, stuff like that. And I'm sure it could also take you to an alien planet if that was necessary. But what it really does, if you think about it, is it takes you on a mental journey and you don't really go anywhere. And then you're back in your body and you wake up. And he's, he's sort of just educated you with um, a, a higher sense that, or a higher form of communication than yeah, that words. Be a, uh archetype of you get information overload, and by the information overload, you're just like, Ugh, what just happened? Yeah, and you're, well, you you either, he's resetting you because you're in pain, maybe, or maybe, um, you know, because a lot of people that he meets, he's just, he's trying to discover and find things out, and that's what's interesting about, it's a lot of characters, I like to think of him as the Tick, you guys know the Tick? Tick? Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard the Tick in a long time. <laughs> yeah, so the Tick is sort of who I told... Isaac, who voiced Snark to be sometimes, I said he just he's beefy for no reason sometimes, and he <laughs> he's not trying to intimidate anybody. He just has a big voice, and he uh, he has a lot of enthusiasm, but he doesn't have um, he doesn't know the way, hmm. so he has to ask questions, and then his power. Is actually, well, it's kind of funny because there's a little bit of a contradiction in the fact that he's discovering, but then in the end, he's the one who educates. So he, uh, the way he educates is with the interdimensional vortex uh, most of the time. But he also might just, you know, just have a, a heart-to-heart. <laughs> but uh, he, whenever he educates, you wonder, well, could he, couldn't he just use the interdimensional vortex to educate himself? But then it, it kind of breaks the whole principle yeah. if you think like that. But he's he's uh, asking the humans questions, and then once they answer his questions, he then seems to kind of give them a feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes into the universe, maybe, uh, you might look at it, gets a feedback of the re- resonance of that information, and then upgrades everyone. Yeah. Um, and, you know he's he's in he's a spaceman, so his problems are different than ours. So yeah. maybe he can't solve his problems, but he can help solve ours. And and actually, that's a limitation. Like if you talk to somebody who is a psychic or remote viewer, you know, like there's government remote viewing programs. You know, they they used to have them, they still have them, but they just don't admit it. But it's very difficult for those folks, and and they're very limited because they're not even aliens. They're just humans, but they have great difficulty discerning any situation involving them personally because it gets – there's too much conscious thinking going on that interferes with the very faint signal line of the subconscious. So – so they, that's why, you know, people say, well, if you're such a psychic, why don't you make a fortune on the stock market, you know? 
Well, because you've already polluted the information, the signal. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. So snark, snark needs, uh, he needs a little push like to get the ball rolling because he's just, it's like um, he's, he's not of this world. So he, yep. he can't, uh, he, once he understands, then he can play ball. So that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And, of course, the Cosmic staff, which I won't get into there, how they are actually connected, but there's quite an interesting backstory there. But he's kind of the, the, the you know, the grouchy sidekick, but he doesn't think he's a sidekick. He thinks he's actually in charge. And, and yeah, so there's some competitiveness there. And, uh, and it, but he's also the one who helps Snark learn as well. Yeah. He's the one who knows. Yeah. He, uh, he knows about humans. Yeah, omnipotent. Uh, side for the for the for the uh, grand adventurer to rely on for different information and also different a viewpoint. So the the staff that's right. is grumpy. It's like, well, I don't think that's a good idea because da 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 this and da 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 that is going to be in the way, and that's just going to spoil my mood even more. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's always slighted, you know. In some way, he takes offense, you know. Like he'll think he's trying to tell Snark how to drive the spaceship, and then Snark said, "Why don't you do it?" And he said, "No arms." <laughs> well, there's still physical limitations, you know. Even though they're in a spaceship, and not everything is controlled by the mind, you know. So. Yeah, so they, they 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 all you know they both have their limitations, and they meet humans who have a lot of problems. But a lot of there's a nobility to the humans they meet, which teach them something. And and it's uh, so it's kind of you know one of the episodes we're going to do this first season is very very touching. I think you know the one I'm talking about, uh, Jordan Area Fifty One. Yeah, it's very touching, and and in an interesting way the. The sort of pace of it and the way that, well, Toby, uh, Toby and Nicole, the the actor and actress that did the two characters in it. Very experienced theater actors. And they, well, they, they really embodied the characters and it does this interesting thing where it makes it because we have a, you know, a sort of a 70s, 60s, 70s sort of feel to the show already. And, you know, it, uh, you, there's there's a feeling like the show might be for kids. That's kind of part of the comedy of the show is that it, it wouldn't really be for kids, but it's sort of like the Scooby Doo sort of stuff. Yeah. And the fluff. These two uh, these two characters are so lovable and endearing that it almost makes you want to laugh because you know parodies that um, and it's like an Americana episode where. Um, and you even see like a cutaway to an like, eagle and just stuff like that. It's very, there's, there's sort of like a folk music going. And, you know, it's funny how sometimes when you mean it and you just do it and you follow it to what it means, you watch it and you realize that it is parody and it's funny. Yeah. And uh, it, there's a little bit of a weird obliviousness that, uh, that you pick up off of it that you would always get from shows that, um, you know, a lot of those shows were just killing time. To be yeah. honest, uh, Hanna Barbera may have had a whole episode based on the idea that Doris Day was the guest, and then they would write the entire thing around that, and it basically have absolutely no plot. And so, it kind of makes you feel that sometimes when you're watching that episode that okay. you know they're they're telling you a story about some people in their life. And yet, at the same time, if you take away that, uh, the fact that it's a cartoon, it would be just a really endearing and touching story. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's interesting how cartoons can do that to you. The way the comic book is set up, you know, uh, each issue, there's like, what is there? How many stories is there? 10 or 12 in the issue in Snark 1? Something like that. Uh, you, well, Snark 1 had uh five episodes and then snark two yeah 16 <laughs> so they it's longer yeah so but but what i was saying is that jordan when he took that material all these uh animated episodes are like uh they're you know uh they're depicting five page you know comic book stories so they're like comic book short stories if you will and and so each episode is just around what six minutes right 
Yeah, um, it it kind of is up and down. I may edit it so they're all the same, but um, that's I kind of was aiming for the way that old cartoons would stick three episodes in one thirty minute block. Yeah, you know, still cram like six minutes of cartoons in there. Yeah, uh, so so they were like six to seven minutes long at the time. Sometimes they do little ones and big ones. Uh, was another thing I noticed. Yeah, there's no filler in what we're doing. These stories get right to the, the heart yep. of the story right away, yeah. and then they have another adventure. So it's it's very uh, interesting. And I, I don't know if I set out to do that. That's just the naturally the way I tell stories is in those kind of six-minute blocks, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. as it turns out, or six-page blocks. And uh, so I, I, it just it's come across really, really well. I, I think this, this animated series is really fun. And uh, I hope people enjoy it as much as I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I know. I know people will enjoy it. I, I can tell just whenever anything that you step away and come back and with editing, it, it's kind of like it gives you a fresh look at it. And I've shown it to a few people who I know I, I like their sense of humor. So we'll find an audience for it, I'm sure. And uh, I know that the second comic book is going to make people laugh because I know that that whole, uh, what we were talking about earlier with um, speaking on social issues, I know that that's got a lot of appeal to people right now. Uh, it's got a nice sort of, um, uh, what's the word, nostalgia to it because of the way that it, it very it's gentle yeah it, it talks about things in a gentle way and i know that's going to appeal to people and i also know that those social issues the way that they're that they're uh, posed is just funny uh i know it's going to be good on screen whenever we do the second one uh the second one actually portions of it will come out as season one so that we get 10 episodes in the first two seasons so my favorite, I think my favorite part of um, of the second comic will actually come over to season one. The, my favorite couple of stories. All right. And so season one, I'll even have some of those. True. <clears throat> so, what I'm getting is that the staff has some airtime, but it doesn't have enough airtime. It's always, <laughs> always yeah. snark taking most of the screen time. So what's going on with the staff? Is the staff, like, equal to the snark? Or is snark just a better character than the staff? I actually made this decision uh, that the staff gets laughs from the audience, but that no other character does. And I'm really fond of that. I was going with sort of a, um absurdist type of thing there. But I, I think that it makes you feel sort of like the show belongs to the staff in a way, that the staff has um, is the one that televises it, <laughs> or he's the one that broadcasts it or something like that. And he definitely like feels it. that he's the lead character, even though he's not. <laughs> right, yeah. The, 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 according to the story, you shouldn't be paying as much attention to him as he's demanding. That's right. Yeah. Okay, okay. but if the staff deserves more attention... When you give it like that one episode where it can shine, I love it. I love that idea. <laughs> I was like, I was like, the staff is just left out, and the, the staff is like <laughs> the moral conscience behind Z Snark. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's really the good. origin, then you really see how they're connected, and it, uh, people will be very gratified to see that connection, and then. Uh, there will be future episodes where, you know, he gets his, his dream come true where he, he is the star of the show. Even though he, you know, he always thinks he is the star of the show, but, you know, then he really... Well, Stark doesn't so carry the way. Stark is just like, well, okay, you can have it that way. <laughs> I just give it to you. But, like, Stark doesn't care. Yep. That's what yeah. I'm getting. Like, Snog was like, okay, cool, staff, do your thing. I'll do my thing. We'll, you're with me anyway, so might as well not fight. Yeah, the staff uh, needs Snark, or he can't get around, so he'd just be stuck. Yeah, he's immobile because he doesn't have legs. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just a stick, even though he doesn't like being called a stick. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> even have the energy of the power source to move itself. It can't float in the air. Like <laughs> Doctor Strange's cape. <laughs> yeah, the sentiments to it. <laughs>
yeah, he's really, he's kind of has that, uh, his favorite, I can give you this hint about the staff, his favorite period of American history uh, is the 60s, and specifically the exploits of the Rat Pack in Vegas. He is a Rat Pack Vegas kind of guy, so that's, you know, that's how I imagine. Just imagine that's the Rat Pack artist being incarnated in a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Has he ever, do you think, well, I, I, I don't think, he didn't get used as a weapon, does he? You know, it, uh, it, it, that's a good point. You know, Snark and the Cosmic Staff never present any weapons, although they can defend themselves, but they never initiate anything. And I, I, I did that on purpose because I wanted them to be, uh, you know, able to protect themselves and protect the innocent, mm-hmm. but you know, not initiate anything and not glorify any kind of violence. You know, not, I, I mean, I'm not a, a pacifist, but yeah. I, I was in six years in the army, so I. I mean, you and I was. Are you a pacifist? I wouldn't care. <laughs> no, I, 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 and I, you know, I, but I, I live a very peaceful life. Yeah. But if something happens, I want to protect my loved ones and the innocent and myself. You know, so I kind of, I, I, I have that feeling with Snark. So there's not, there's not going to be anything in there that, um, you know, that somebody would say, well, I don't want my kid to see that. You know, that's it's. There's definitely no violence. Uh, he's. He's, if you, unless you <laughs> unless you count yeah. inducing hallucination as violence, uh, yeah. But he does get permission, so. Um, yeah. But he he stops a couple of people from doing what they're going to do by just sort of Jedi mind tricking them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. He's like the beyond, but like it's like oh, I'm going to influence you this way, but there's not going to be any conflict because I. And the better person, the better man in this situation. So I'm going to prevent it. And he's going to talk it out. <laughs> yeah. Talk. Oh, my gosh. That's so... <laughs> he's on a mission of talk discovery. Talk man. You know, power to power and just come to a solution. It's like, not every situation can be that. But Snark's power is literally like, well, I can make it that situation if you like it or not. Right. <laughs> Which he doesn't use. I, I'm getting the feeling he doesn't use much, but if he has to, he would just bend the will slightly to make it a more peaceful negotiation, I think. Yeah, yeah I've kind of imbued him with that. And it kind of reminds me when I worked in the prison. You know, I, I am not a, a mean person, but when you work in a prison as a guard, especially in a maximum security prison, you have to have a toughness to you, but um, I, you know, like we had a bad situation at the military prison where I worked, and me and this other guy were both. I'm a very big guy, you know, and he he was a big guy, but we're you know kind of like teddy bears. And when they thought they were going to riot, they sent me and this other big sergeant in there, and we just talked to everybody, and we listened to them, and we got their ideas. You know, why is it they're so upset? I think part of it was that we had. We could have the intimidation factor, so they didn't mess with us, but we were also nice enough to listen to them. And I, I, I think listening is a big part of uh, Snark's game. Don't, don't you think so, Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even when he, he does put a guy, like, kind of to sleep on his own ambition, but yeah. he even gives that guy um, sort of what he would want out of it. Um, and then another time, you know, he he shows people things that he knows they'll want to see once they've seen them, even though they haven't told him that they want to see them. Uh, so he he doesn't expressly get their permissions. <laughs> he just puts it in their mind, but he's always doing something good for them. Yeah. I think yeah. there's some people that might argue that that's still technically an act of violence but that's like a philosopher question uh, it's like that uh uh, let's see oh yeah yeah when they they when the uh jew the jews that came over here to china they want to convert people but they did so peacefully but it was still cultural warfare (laughs) cultural violence that is like kind of like that yeah yeah Yeah, there is that philosophy that string of philosophy Mm mm-hmm so it's uh, you know it's the old dilemma that they had in the original Star Trek you know the prime directive you know 
they weren't supposed to interfere, but they interfered every single time <laughs> when, you right. come, when it comes down to it. So it's hard to uh, avoid that, but, you know, what is the end goal? Yeah. You know, is to do something good. And, um, mm-hmm. of course, you know, there's there, there's relativist ar- arguments and so forth, oh, yeah. but it, it, it's, it's fun. It, it's a fun thing, and it, it really comes down to that. We're just having a blast. I know, I, I think Jordan is too. I think we're both having a blast. The actors are having a blast because oh, yeah. they... The voice acting is harder than it looks. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. I mean, I just watched this and how Jordan puts them through their paces mm-hmm. and uh, as a director. And, uh, you know, it, it is not easy. Not as easy as it looks. Yeah. Or uh, sounds. Lita and Project Head are pretty much taking on so much. There's so much that they need to do and direct their attention to different areas that it all needs to come together on that one leadership figure that's leading the project and actually able to achieve the result of what the vision is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, and that's a good thing about me and Jordan is we work very well together. And that's not always the case when you're in a creative group, you know, a creative uh, environment. You know, people get locked horns. You know, it's not that we agree on everything. It's just... I'm very, when I have an idea and I, you maybe think, hey, Jordan, did you think of, you know, maybe doing it this way? That's the way I put it. I don't put it like here. This has to be done my way because maybe I just don't yeah, understand yeah. his approach. And when I understand it, I go, oh, yeah, that's that's really cool. And I Me think too. That, I, you know, I, I, don't, I let you have, you know, what you want. And uh, I try to let everybody have what they want if possible because a lot of the best things that we've made were the things where, I was just the one who shined it up in the end. Uh, and those are sort of the things that I'm most proud of because it's a real art to have people hand you, especially when you're not the one making the music or you're not the one choosing the music. A lot of times the musician has like his own power and the editor has his own power and they all balance each other. And um, when you just stand there and sort of let everything fall into place, you get a really good feeling. I don't know if it's like so much power, but it's kind of like the opposite of power. It's kind of like mm-hmm. you fit right into the web of everything real well. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good feeling, and that was the, what I try to go for. So I get a lot of my ideas, but I don't do it by um, trying to push any of my ideas. I just do it by having a lot of ideas. Yeah, and um, that's that's to be given. Because the more ideas you can spread, the more you diverse yourself, and that diversity <clears throat> creates the different inter- overlapping, interconnected vision to come to reality because there's different elements that you want to pick from. Pick from this story, but through this inspiration with this background of this type of character and put that trope all together and achieve the end goal. Like, for example, maybe you want to have a episode about exploring maybe a moral lesson about Zork tapping into the mind. I don't know. That could be like uh, you get like a, a weird character that's like challenging him on not necessarily morality, but like, well, if you did that and then I did this thought in your mind, where's that result going to be? Yeah. Yeah, you know, challenges. The more challenges, the the better, and the yeah. more dicey situations. You know, we haven't uh, introduced, I don't think, in the animation, the um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the you know the nemesis that comes from <laughs> Mar. But he he is quite formidable, and, and uh, yeah, but in, it, there's a comedic sense to him too. What he says, I know Jordan's picked up on that. Some of the. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, because bad guys should always have a little bit of humor to them. They make makes them much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, and good guys should be bad, really, in a weird way. Yeah, good guys uh, have to do the bad things that people forgive. Yeah, um, they gotta take them, and then they'll be. People will love them for some reason. Yeah, if they do, uh, you know, um, for example, if the character's judgmental. You shouldn't like that character more for that, yeah. but for some reason people do. Uh, it's just an yeah. interesting thing um, because when that happens, what what happens is that 
suspension of disbelief becomes real because they say, oh, that's a real person. That's how a real person would act. Yeah. And uh, you get like a tolerance on that where you got to have your, your good guy either be completely, you know, he's, his whole joke is that he can't even do a bad thing. And then in a weird way, that makes him worthless to the audience. Mm-hmm. Like they won't relate to him then. Uh, like the tick was unrelatable. The audience would almost in a way they love him because they don't understand him, but they don't want to understand him. They need somebody else who's flawed and who is oblivious sometimes to it. Uh, Homer Simpson type of thing. <laughs> yep. And, and they'll love that person. So it's interesting. Well, you know, I was thinking, you mentioned earlier Bugs Bunny. I mean, he, he's kind of naughty. You know? yes. <laughs> he does. Uh, yeah. He does a lot of mischievous things, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and but you, you love the guy, you know. Ma- you just love him. Ma- Marshall Manhunter and Bugs Bunny together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, Daffy Duck's not bad either, but I really like Marshall Manhunter. But like, there's so many things yeah. that Bugs Bunny intermingles with. It's like, okay, that's canon now, I guess. Yeah. And one of my favorites was uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Oh, gosh. Yes, Foghorn Leghorn. He is hilarious. I, I've met people like that in real life that are like that. You know, yeah. big and blustery and kind of clueless and, <laughs> and funny at the same time. You know, and you want to you hate them, but you can't. You know, that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're having a ball. We're having a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And the one, probably one final question I think I have. Um, okay. What? This is probably, this is applied to both of you. Uh, probably like short, brief answer. Um, what is the most thing you take from being in this project of Zork the comic and the, also the animation afterwards that is striking to you? And uh, Mr. Bush, you can go first. What What is most striking to me? Yes. Uh. Well, first of all, I just start with the word, uh, the, the word unbelievable because it's like a dream come true. Not only have I been allowed to, you know, because I'm an artist too, but I'm not a very, I'm not at the caliber, even close to the caliber of somebody like Gary Dumm or, or Julia, our, our other artist. Um, so it's, it's an unbelievable dream come true that I have created a comic book character that's real is really in a comic book and now it's gone even farther it's become a cartoon and uh, I, I can't think of, of all the things I've done in my life you know I've published a lot of books and had plays produced and this is the thing I, I, I'm most satisfied with because it it serves the inner child so that's what that's what's really it's I have to pinch myself every once in a while and you know say I want to say, Jordan, are you sure we're really doing this, or is this like a thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's my answer. I, you know, I like that answer. I, to me, the most striking thing is that I trust myself so much these days, um, and I, and it came from other people trusting me. And once, you know, I directed a couple of things where everybody just sort of said, you know, oh, he'll make it work. And, and you know, all the time building up until recently, I've been able to do everything, but I don't think I felt able. I, I don't think I felt as much trust. When I think about this, A, just because it's cartoons, and B, just due to the, you know, um, experience that I'm, I've gained through all the other things I've done, and just through seeing people trust me to get it done, I trust myself and I believe that I can do it and I, I just do. And I, that's, what's most striking to me is when it's done, I look back on a time and I think there was a time in my life. I mean, I remember it plain as day time in my life when I was a kid and I thought that's gotta be so hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it's gotta be so hard to do that. I'd have to spend so much time in my life to learn how to do it and figure it out and I never knew that something like technology was going to put it in the living room I always thought you'd have to go to an office and to a studio and uh, do it like that and that Mm -hmm. that would need to be your entire life and you couldn't do anything else Um, and maybe at one point that was kind of true whenever I thought that but now when I see it I do get this weird feeling like I'm doing things that I thought I couldn't do 
and I don't think of those things as hard things. I think of those things as an absolute pleasure to do. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, you know, I've seen uh, Jordan grow as as a director and a technical person, and you know, and it reminds me of this, you know, this, you know, people have obviously a man with talent. You know, he's a young man with talent. But then he's also got perseverance and a great work ethic. And then after you do it enough times, then you have this tremendous confidence. You know, so it's like a progression. And I've seen this growth in Jordan, and it's just wonderful to see it. And I really enjoy working with him. And I think, Thank you. Uh, you know, the, there's not enough words that can put together this unique combination of you know, the writer and the artist and the animator, all in that relationship is kind of intertwined, it seems like to me. You know, the ball string yeah. is moving and the cat keeps taking the ball string and keep moving it and it just keeps going. You don't know yep. the end inside. Right. It takes, a, it takes a, a good amount of time to wrap it back up, so you might as well just keep let it keep rolling. Yep. Especially if you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. Yep. Just an endless ball of yawn that it will never stop going. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing exactly what I want to do every day. And I, I, you can't be a, a happier person than someone who wakes up and does exactly what they want to do. Yeah. No, I, I knew you were you were pretty excited about doing it when I told you we could buy the domain name tune.inc with a K and you just you're just like I'll pay you the money <laughs> yep. yeah we're gonna, it's just you know it's not just going to be snark and Dr. Jekyll or things that I come up with yeah. it's going to be uh, stuff that Jordan comes up with and are there are there artists and talented people that we want to work with so we have another writer who's probably going to come in and write something really funny and we kick the idea around a lot uh, and he's going to be good because he's got to like you know he's got a lot of story in him you know and i've gotten to get some of that out but he needs to get it out. his name is aaron moore and he's really funny he likes um you know to me he's really funny everybody's got kind of a different sense of humor but he his is a lot like mine yeah and so that's helpful um it's not necessary but it's nice and you know he's he takes ideas and sort of uh, does a good ricochet so Maybe we'll do. I like. I really love the idea of doing like a writing roundhouse, like round table of writers, the way that shows used to be written. And I think that would be really fun to do remotely too. Sure. So yeah, probably work some of that. Idea. And you know, with the round table comes the into uh, circle of uh, the you know the knight and the king, the king needing guidance from the knights, and the knights being loyal subjects to the king. I think that That's right. might happen one day for you guys. So as we uh, take this interview to a closing, um, what is it like one striking... What is When they can find you, Tune Inc. and all that stuff, you can repeat it if you want. Oh, it's Tune.Inc. Uh, you can simply type that. If that's not working, you might have to add the HTTP colon slash slash and then Tune.Inc. And then for the YouTube... Tune Inc. Dots aren't allowed, so it's just Tune Inc. And uh, on Facebook, I believe it was like facebook.com slash tune, and then the dot is spelled out, so tune.inc, like one word. Um, that's all we've got as of right now, but we should be releasing constant content. Uh, I know there will be a web series of... Um, of snark like a spin-off series of snark I, I believe we're doing vampire rape lincoln so mm. that show i really liked we're gonna call it lincoln blogs i really liked that one <laughs> we have we have to negotiate with his agent though because he's he's smelling a scam somewhere with us he doesn't quite trust us yeah <laughs> yeah well they can find you mr i figure we'll always keep people entertained though so just subscribe to that stuff and if you like old comics or if you like sort of weird comics like uh you know adult swim type of stuff maybe not too it's not too racy but it's sort of down that sort of path yeah where can they find you mr bruce find the comments uh, yeah i have a, a website just for all my stuff bruce dot com, and my middle name
name is spelled O-L-A-Z, last name S-O-L-H-E-I-M.com. And all my books, all my plays, all the comic books, my music, everything is on there. Okay. And then does Gary have a website that you know? Um, yeah, no, he does. Dumb Art. Dumb Art, that's right. Dumb yeah, Art, if you do art.com i think dumbart.com yeah or just search it it's the first one that comes up on a google search if you type d-u-m-m dumbart yeah dumbart wow i thank you guys for coming on the show uh you bring a lot of energy uh this was really unexpected i was i when i first heard that this was gonna be a double interview it's like hmm how am I going to do this? But you guys feed off with each other really well, so I think that was basically interviewing one person, kind of. And, That's and, great. In one way, we're kind of one-minded on this project. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, coming yeah. In the mugga mugga. And we always do Zoom. <laughs> we're on Zoom so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, 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 that's how we work, because... You know, I'm in California, and Jordan's in Florida. You know, we're at opposite ends of the country, but that hasn't stopped us, you know, co- collaborating. So, and and I really appreciate it, Mason, your interest and your and your excitement about our project. Uh, thank, thank you very you. much. I was really happy about it. The more I heard about it, it's like, you know what? This is actually getting more interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like <laughs> caught off, like. Uh huh. This is an interesting comic. How do I p- approach this comic? And then it just all tied together. It's like, okay, cool. The comic is actually yep. e- more easy to understand than I thought. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to read. That's the best stuff. This stuff. It's easy to read. Yeah. Right, Thank you very much. Guys. Thank you for this episode. And uh, this concludes this uh, the snark encounter, the snark comic, and the animation process too.